Points Podcast. I am your host, Mark Sevy. This week we cast about for movies about fishing, bait our guests, and as an added bonus, I mispronounce both Manzanar and my friend Corey Shiyazaki's name. There she goes. This is Plot Points Podcast. Mark with Plot Points Podcast. It is a beautiful day in sunny Southern California. We, um, I'm with some great uh, people today. You guys have already met Chris Stiers. Hi, Chris. Hello. And uh, Bruce Kazra. How you doing? Thanks for having me back. And we have with us a uh, really unique individual. He, we met in in my writing class years ago. He was one of my students. Um, but he's been a writer for most of his life. Right now, he's currently not doing too much screenwriting or fiction writing, although I, I keep bugging him to get there. He is. Yeah, you certainly do. You yeah, certainly do. Good, good. Yeah. It's uh, his name is Bob Semero, Robert Semero, and he is. Uh, <laughs> he works for the Western Outdoor News. He writes um, stories about fishing primarily, but but uh, he's also was a former president of the. Uh, Outdoor Writers Association uh, of California, um, or Outdoor Writers. Correct. Uh, yeah, correct. Something no, like that's that. correct. Oh, whack. Yeah, and currently I'm the executive director. So. Okay, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, he's a great guy, great writer. Um, how are you today, Bob? Well, I'm doing just great. Thank you very much, Mark. In fact, real happy to be here to be able to share some time with you and your cohorts. It's uh, <laughs> it's definitely a great tie-in between film and uh, the writing that I do today, mm-hmm. as well as the subject of today's discussion. Yeah, we uh, I tapped Bob to give uh, his top five uh, outdoor or and or fishing movies. Uh, so we'll, which is a category that we probably would never normally do but i we had the opportunity to grab bob so i thought that would be a i started with deliverance and threw it out so i thought (laughs) what What? you're You're, you're missing you're missing it you're missing the point no podcast for you no (laughs) all right so uh we had recently um welcome gentlemen we had we recently the golden globes was last sunday and uh, I don't think there were too many surprises. Um, you know, w- this is a script writing podcast, so we t- I want to kind of uh, stay with the writing part of it. But we can also talk about best motion pictures and um, some of the some of the uh, winners that that have uh, some relevance to us. Uh, it, for best p- motion picture drama was Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, best motion picture musical or comedy was Green Book. Um, and I believe the script writing award went to Green Book also. Alfonso Cuaron, I think that's how you pronounce his name, won Best Director for Roma, which I heard. Now, that's on Netflix, so uh, that's something I have on the list. I just haven't been able to watch it. What do you guys think of, in general, of the the awards or the... I'd like to jump in on that one for you, Mark, and that's the theme of the year, and the theme of the last couple of years has been music. If you look throughout the entire list here, it's almost all music-related pieces that have won awards, as last year. That's it's true. It's interesting how that's working, uh, becoming a, a real theme overall. 
Well, why do you guys, I, I think I have my reasons why I think that's probably the case. What do you guys think about that? Uh, that, uh, you know, why would, why would music be so, why would music in general be so compelling an award show? I, I think in general, it's really popularity. I think people just enjoy musicals. Uh, I think the last big one obviously was La La Land and that ended up having that surprise snub, mm. snub loss the last second. So to Moonlight. Um, Oh, that was the, that was the Oscars. That was the Oscars. That was the yeah, yeah. But I think I think back in uh, the Golden Globes of last year, they did incredibly well. So I think people just really enjoy it, and it, it's sort of a, a fantasy in our own reality that people really enjoy getting sucked into. Mm. Well, television yeah, musicals seem to have a worldwide appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Well, the musicals this year were Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, and. Um, uh, what was the other one? Well, well, whether it was musicals or music based, you had Green Book and you also had uh, Green Book, yeah. the uh, Beale Street piece, which, you know, they're all music based. The interesting, a Star is though, Born. Yeah, Star is Star Born. Star is Born, right? yeah, definitely. Well, the, and, the interesting. Uh, yeah, the, to me, the interesting. <laughs> what is it? Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was on, yeah great, that was a huge hit. Yeah. yeah I Even think bodyguarded directly. Musical? In like no, tension, I didn't say tension. musical. I said music. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna leave that one go for now. I can't I can't wrap my mm-hmm. mind around that. <laughs> well, you probably don't probably didn't see it, Mark. I yes, understand. I did. I did probably see it, Bob. So, eh. Yeah, well, and oh, you did, won, and you didn't get it. That's all right. You don't have to get them all. No, I don't. You're right. I uh, plenty of stuff misses misses me. Like why I had you on the <laughs> podcast in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> you're the boss yeah exactly so. uh just remember that i have i have final cut so uh, um the thing <laughs> i'll never let you forget it <laughs> mm-hmm. the thing that i think is kind of uh interesting is that from for television none of i with all due respect to you know bob's bodyguard uh, comment most of the television stuff is very dark and brooding as opposed to most of the musical stuff which isn't um I mean, is, is that a, is that a something there? That's true. That's you know, really good point. Yeah. It's interesting because if you look at the, uh, limited series or the drama series, I mean, the Russians, Bodyguard, Homecoming, Killing Eve, Pose, and then the, um, television limited series, uh, the assassinate, assassination of Gianni Vers, Gianni Vers, Versace, uh, the alien, which was the American crime story, the alienist, escape, escape at Denonomora, Sharp objects and a very English scandal. I mean, it's really the really dark, dark subject matter. So, um, anyway, um, that's kind of where I'm going with my work. Uh, in I've, I've always had a dark cast to it. I think Chris has too. Do you go, Bob? When you're writing, like when you're not writing uh, about fishing, where where does your writing take you? Yeah, usually not to that darkness by any means. Um, I know I've written a couple of pieces uh, that were inspired by your direction, and mm-hmm. those were towards a darker side because you wanted to see some of that revealed. But I tend to go towards a more optimistic uh, perspective and, and try to show some miracle of life, uh, mm-hmm. which is generally where I've uh, kind of one of the reasons why I wound up in fishing, uh, the whole idea of the miraculousness of what we do every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... So I try to capture that when I'm doing a, a, a script of some sort. Well, let's, uh, that's, that's really interesting. Let's transition into what are we working on. So, Bob, tell us what the process is for 
for you to do an article, do they do they come and tell you, hey, we want this article or? Uh, well, I have to you- give you a little bit of back. I have to give you a little back bit of background about how I got involved in this in the first place, and okay, that is yeah. that I joined the paper 15 years ago, and it came from. Uh, the results of a, a trip I made around the country where I traveled and fished for three years just before I decided to quit drinking. So I, I was a heavy drinker. I needed to resolve that. So I, I tested myself for three years, went fishing, quit my job, closed my business, and went fishing. So when I came back, I had all these fishing stories to tell. And the paper had a little job available to write daily reports. I talked to the editor he said, no, why don't, and I gave him some examples of how he'd write stories. And he said, no, why don't you do this? And said, why don't you go fishing and write about it? And I thought, well, that's about as good as you get. <laughs> so I went out to a couple of lakes with my grandson and a couple of landings and caught some fish and wrote stories. He liked it. I'd been reading the paper my whole life. And being that this was some 15 years ago, I, uh, I began to delve into the various angles of how I might write those stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually I wrote it from a perspective of, wow, what a great experience it was and how neat it was to meet all these really rich, rewarding people while doing so. Uh, and that's kind of where I've kept it throughout the years. Uh, in fact, today uh, I'm writing a story about uh, the upcoming uh, rockfish season, which starts up again after February, but I want to get the pay- the, it's going to be published early Feb. Mm-hmm. And that story, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the individuals and what they caught, what they look forward to seeing. So mm-hmm. where can, that's pretty uh, much where, where I go with it. Okay. Where can people find your work, by the way? I mean, I know Western well, Outdoor the, News. Western Outdoor News is pretty much where I, where I concentrate these days because I do still have my day job and, and doing that takes quite a bit of my time. So pretty much that's it. But I have something published nearly every week. It's a weekly newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, available at uh, sporting goods stores and uh, through the website, uh, which is www.wonews.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of my articles are published link. there. Okay, I'll put, I'll put yeah, a link in great. the show notes. Yeah, That'll be great. Yeah. And the, but, so all of it's published there. So you can find Bob's last name is spelled S-E-M-E-R-A-U, Semero. Uh, and um, yes. if you want to look him up, I'm sure he's got all kinds of Google links and stuff like that. So yeah, yes, it does link out. So have but, you? Uh, are you working on any fiction at all, or screenplays? I, um, I have a currently. I've got a, a piece I've been working on for quite some time that uh, I'm trying to wrap up, which is called "Another Day on the River," mm-hmm. and it's about a, uh, a boy who loses his father uh, out in the, the desert wars. And uh, then the father returns while he's fishing on the river and uh, it's their re- reuniting. And it's, it's a pretty touching story, again, about the miraculous nature of, of fishing and life itself. So mm, Interesting. Yeah. I've always loved fishing. I, I haven't been for quite a few years, but my it, it has. I wrote a, a, a story called When the Asshole Sings um, about myself and my father on a on a boat one day when. When, uh, and, and it's, it, it, the title totally belies the story. It's a very touching, sentimental story about me and my father and, uh, the life lessons he taught me, uh, while we were fishing, which was basically don't get that goddamn hook in my 
in my head, you know, kind of stuff. So, um, right. it, you know, truly a wonder, wonder. No, he was great. He was a great guy. Um, uh, but, uh, but I understand that, uh, Bruce or Chris, are you, uh, are you fans at all about, uh, for, I mean, we're going to give, have Bob, uh, give us our, his top five, but are you guys fans of, uh, outdoor movies or outdoor writing or anything like that? Uh, I, I personally haven't, uh, watched much, uh, read much with regards to, uh, outdoor writing one uh-huh. movie recently uh, that i saw that i really enjoyed was uh, a movie about that free climber alex hunnell it's called free solo oh, uh, yeah. that that one of that movie was probably one of the most interesting um reports on any outdoorsmanship that i could imagine it was really unbelievable and, and uh I, I definitely recommend seeing it um but i was curious uh, a question for bob um you said you came back with a plethora of fishing stories is there any stories that you can think of right now that were that were really amazing or anything really, really cool? I'll, I'll give you a brief one. I'll give you a very brief one that was really remarkable. Of all places, some of the finest fishing I found was in Texas. Mm-hmm. Down in uh, Brulees, which is down towards south end of Texas. And there they had uh, this river that runs through that town. And I don't even recall the name of it. But I found out about it by just strictly looking on maps and books and uh, being 15 years ago, we didn't have all the access we do today. Uh, I wound up uh, finding my way to the river with my fly rod and I'm hunting for fish and not doing very well. And just as you might imagine, like as if it was out of a storybook, here's this old guy on the water, just picking away and getting a fish here and getting a fish there. And I didn't chum up to him. He came to me. And he said, you might try this one. And not, not anything more, just you might try this one. And handed me a fly. I put it on the water and sure enough, caught fish. Wow. Cool. Oh, wow. And That's so awesome. in, a, in a nutshell, that summed up the, the, the stories that, that came out of my trip. It, it was just remarkable, the people and the experiences. And in the most remarkable place, you, you find such wonderful things when you go looking. Uh, Chris, you, you're not a fisherman that much, right? Uh, not since I was a kid mm-hmm. with yeah. my father and my brother. Yeah, it, it, is, a, it is a real We did most thing. of our fishing was freshwater when we lived in Dallas, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. lakes around Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. Almost exclusively um, lakes. I've never... I think I've only fished in a river a couple times and I, uh, the ocean a couple times. But uh. well, you know, I, I I would like to say that there's there's a lot of reasons to fish, and some are because you have the camaraderie of your friends and family. But for me, it's something I call oneness. Mm-hmm. It's the sense of individual spirit that comes to you when you're fishing. And I don't care whether it's fishing on a party boat with 36 other people or all alone on a on a river out in the mountains. But we stop being anywhere else and we start all of a sudden being only there. You're not being any other time or any other place. You're here and now. Mm-hmm. And that oneness comes from that moment when the fish takes your, your bait or your offering, your fly, and, and you feel it really deep into your soul and your spirit. And, and when that fish bites, it's like an electric charge coming up the line and right through the rod and through your fingertips to your heart. Right, that's very true. I, I there's nothing like the tug on your on your line. Um, it's that instant. Now you primarily catch and release, right? Uh, freshwater, that's a hundred percent of what I do. I don't keep any fish in right. freshwater. Right, but in the ocean, um, yeah, I know you're different. In the ocean, we do. We keep the fish, but that's because those fisheries are much more renewable. So far, if we don't plasticize them. 
Yeah, well, you eat and you eat everything you catch or you give it away. Yep. I've, I've been the recipient right. of some very, uh, my sister's been the recipient of some very nice fish from you. So, um, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so, so I hope you finish. I mean, um, I don't know if you're ever going to finish a script, uh, <laughs> but I hope you finish whatever, whatever you're working on. Uh, yeah. My my short should be done here before at least three four more years. <laughs> <laughs> just get just get uh, let me let me bug Chris one of these days and she'll she'll give you what for I know so uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Okay, so speaking of Chris, is Chris? Uh, are you yeah. working on anything? Working on my novel and my novella. Yeah, no, like I, I've been doing. Yeah, I know, yeah. and I'm I'm asking because I I know you just every once in a while you jump into short stories, and um, so yeah. I thought I would just, but that's fine. I mean, that's uh, you know, it's obvious. How how much longer does a novel take you than a script? I mean, a script. I know you've cranked a couple out in less than a month. I'm sure, like novels are months and months, right? My last novel took over a year. Oh yeah, I think I've asked you this yeah. before. And when I do my short stories and no, my novellas, it can be anywhere from a month to two months. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, Bruce, are you, have you decided to, uh, put down the crack pipe and pick up a, uh, <laughs> uh the, the, the urge is too strong, Mark. Otherwise I would. Um, Come out of the darkness, young <laughs> Bruce Kazra. Come out of the darkness. Um, I'm actually, I actually just finished the, the painting I was talking about on the last podcast a couple of days ago. Uh, and other than that, I, I plan to start writing once I'm done with the LSAT. That's in about two and a half weeks. So oh, right. I will have my life back once that is over. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, con- good luck on the, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll, uh, we'll hear, uh, along on the podcast, but good luck with, with the LSATs. Thank you. Um, for myself, I've been, I have a new writing project that I have to, jump into as soon as I get the contracts and get some money. Supposedly it was going to be done by January or not or started by January, but there's some problems with the, the paperwork. So uh, until that's right, I just to all the writers in the audience, I don't care who it is. I don't care what they tell you, make sure that you at least get some sort of deal memo, um, when you set out to do anything for uh, Hollywood or just in general, um, I, I learned the, this lesson really the hard way, but get the paperwork, make sure it, it reflects at least the spirit of what you've been hired to do and the compensation, even if it's compensation is a dollar, because believe me, things have a way of turning around when there's money involved. Um, and if anything you do becomes successful, you're going to want to share in not only the compensation, but the credit. And uh, you can't always do that in Hollywood if you don't have the paperwork. So, but, um, in the, in waiting for that to happen, I got inspired and wrote two short stories, kind of one bang, bang after the other. And, um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if I can sell them any at all. One of them is earmarked for a contest and the other one is just me writing. It was about 2,500 words, but, it was fun. I enjoyed when I was um, first starting writing scripts. I would write a script and then I would write a short story. It, it kind of to cleanse my palate. You know you have, how you have sherbet between uh, courses. Um, yes. And I used to enjoy that quite that process quite a bit. But then I got really busy as a screenwriter and I didn't do much short story writing. But every once in a while I dabble back. I, that's one of the first classes I took 
with short stories, and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy them. I, one of my favorite pieces of writing is still one of Chris's short stories. I'm a big fan of mm, thank uh, you. along with it. Yeah, you're welcome, Chris. It's a, it's a great story. Um, I, I wish you could sell it. Uh, have you sold it? I can't remember. I don't recall. Yeah. Because I've done, I've had about 70. Oh, wow. Short stories and article sales. And it's been in, besides the United States, a half dozen other foreign countries. And I can't keep track anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, <laughs> that's success. That's uh, truly success. Yeah. That's the, a beautiful uh, thing to have. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. He, he's a really good writer. Um, uh, I mean, he and I have been friends for quite a few years. In fact, I think the yeah. first, the first writing I no, that's not true. The first writing I read of yours was in novel class when we to when you and I were in novel class. But then, yeah. the stuff that really stuck with me was the uh, was the short story work. So, all right. Well, um, it sounds like we're all keeping busy. Bob, when's your next? Uh, so your next article is coming out when? Oh well, I have one coming out in two weeks. That's on a boat that's being refurbished and how that's going. So that's that's kind of a, a non-starter as far as interest for this discussion. But uh, then I have the uh, the rockfish story talking about what's coming up in the season, and then mm-hmm. I head down to Puerto Vallarta for three and a half days of offshore tuna fishing, where I'll fish for giant three hundred pound uh, tuna on a sixty foot boat with five other guys. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, so that, that story is going to be coming out, uh, towards the, uh, first of March. And then, uh, uh, after that, I have my regular charter trips about every other week for the rest of the year. So it's pretty fun. I go to Alaska for a week and go offshore and then go up and down the coast as well as my freshwater trips here and there. Right. And if, and if anybody thinks that these stories are basically, you know, I stuck a pole in the water and, caught this many fish and stuff you really got to experience bob's work because it's beautiful it's compelling um it's more than just um the 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 nuts and bolts or the rods and reels of fishing it has to do with how like you talked like you talked about earlier earlier the oneness uh the the moment uh the camaraderie, the you know, and the heartbreak, the heartbreak, and the heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. we had a, a fella hook a fish that was at least six feet long off San Clemente Island, a big oh, tuna, oh, wow. and it ran around the boat, and he's up and down fighting it. He got it; it was way out, stripping line off, completely screaming from the reel as he hung on, and he's hanging on, and he can't turn the fish, can't stop it. The skipper came along, grabbed the rod, took over for a little bit, managed to stop the fish, turn it, and start it back. He's working it back towards the boat when another boat comes across the stern and cuts off oh, the line. Wow. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and we're all make... screaming and yelling to stop him, and he still did it, did oh. it deliberately. Really? Oh, yeah. It was a squid boat. Oh. They, they, don't like, they don't like us fishing in the squid zones. What a shit. Yeah. That's oh, terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, we're not. We're going to skip on. Uh, what are we watching this week? Because um, we're we're going to have uh, some top five uh, lists here. Let me start with our guest. Uh, Bob was tasked with coming up with his best uh, top five best fishing or outdoor movies, and and why uh, he likes mm-hmm. them. And so we can comment on them if you if you like, guys. If you, uh, I mean, there's some. In, in doing a little background on this, there's some really great movies out there. I didn't think. Yeah, there are. There certainly are. And there's also 
Uh, I stuck with the fishing uh, group rather than went to the outdoors. And the reason for that is because my theme today is about the uh, the miracle of fishing and the fact that uh, it creates such a depth of spirit. Mm. Uh, a more popular movie that uh, came along uh, a few years back in 2011 was The River Y. The River Not a great movie. Y? W-H-Y. Okay, W-H-Y. Mm-hmm. And uh, the screenplay was uh, Thomas A. Cohen. Uh, but it comes from a, a novel by, of the same name by a guy named Duncan. And it's the story of a young boy who gets out from under the shadow of his father by getting a cabin and going fly fishing. And he finds a beautiful woman in the water and all this. But it's, it's one of the movies that truly spends the whole film finding the philosophy of fishing. Mm-hmm. And it really delves into that. Uh, quite a remarkable movie from the perspective of wrestling with that philosophy and faith mm. and how doing the impossible can really happen if you really put yourself in the right place. Interesting. Okay. Another movie that works in that same vein is Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, while being a ridiculous flight of fancy, also... <laughs> Also really gets involved in the reality of life and how fly fishing in particular can be a release for that uh-huh. and uh, an, an avenue to express that. So Okay. All right. And number five? Well, you know, I've got three others to give you here, so I'm going to talk to them briefly. Uh, the, the, the king of all, the one that everyone knows, the one that put fly fishing on the map is a river runs through it. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody goes, oh, yeah, you fish like that and the river runs. So, well, nobody fishes like that. And the reason nobody fishes (laughs) like that is because that's not how you catch fish. I see. The way you catch fish when you're fly fishing is you you soak a midge down to the bottom of the the river and let it drag along the bottom till your hooks of fish are a rock. And so, you know, that's the exotic, dramatic, romantic sense of fly fishing. But river runs through it is a great, great story and some beautiful, beautiful work. And uh, Norman McLean had some beautiful pieces that he wrote for it, which also speak again to the miraculous nature of life and, and how fishing reflects that. Well, Old Man in the Sea in particular, because it's about the futility of life, right? About Yes, absolutely. And how spirit spirit is the one reason why we continue. Yeah. Okay. That's a great. Wow. Does, does whale chasing count as fishing? Uh, actually, it, it uh, as much as Jaws would. So I was okay. going to put that in, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you just have to you just have to scale it up, Bruce. Whale fishing is just big fish fishing. That's all. So. That's right. I mean, I know quite a few uh, whale catchers in my day, but uh, nothing nothing uh, on that level. You've known quite a few whale catchers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Put down the crack pipe, Bruce. Please. I'm out. I'm begging you. <laughs> You were you and Chris were tasked with to come up with anything, any five of anything. And uh, so let's hear Bruce. Let's hear what you got. To, what you got to say. Sure. Um, so uh, since it's such an open ended request, I really I really had to rack my brain to see what I can uh, come up with here. And, Besides and, porn. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I tried to be a little PG rated on this, uh, <laughs> but uh, I came up with my uh, top movie assassins. Uh, oh, so. interesting. A little bit of a segue from 
fishing, um, but I guess not too far. So this is my list. It's not necessarily the the best assassins of all time in, in anyone's opinion. It's just in my opinion. Um, so I'll, I'll, let me put that disclaimer out there. I think so, that's always going to be the case. So go ahead. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, my number five is uh, Ray from In Bruges. It's Colin Farrell's character, um, and he basically plays a reluctant hitman laying low in Bruges. And uh, it's it's one of my unlikely favorite films, but uh, mm. I thought it was great because Colin Farrell finds a way to both be hilarious and terrifying at the same time. And he, as the movie goes on, you just realize that he, he just doesn't want to be a hitman, but is just stuck with the task. Right. Um, for number four, I put um, Francisco Scaramanga from The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, uh, interesting. It's uh, one of Christopher Lee's, I think, breakout performances. He plays a cool and calm uh cool common collected nemesis of james bond and uh i think it was one of the most memorable bond villains to date even with all the new ones that have come out mm-hmm. um and before i thought he he christopher lee had only played town dooku and then had never played anything else that's that's how old i am but <laughs> i went back and saw this movie and I, I was really blown away by the performance uh for number three i put uh vincent from collateral uh tom cruise's character um i think this is one of his most uh, underrated performances to be honest he's been in so many action films that people tend to overlook the one where he plays the bad guy but i thought this movie was really great just because um he really was an anti-hero before the genre became popular um and i, I thought uh just the way he played alongside jamie fox was was fantastic mm-hmm. um that my was, number mm-hmm. um the the writer it's a really good writer too Stu, uh Stuart Beatty is a really excellent writer so uh I'll, also a I'll, director but go ahead I'll note that Stuart Beatty. Yeah, no, he re- he. Re- in fact, um, well, go ahead. Never mind. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish your list. Yeah, uh, for number two, uh, I think I put him on my list before. I put Anton Shigur from No Country for Old Men. Oh yeah. Uh, even not even his middle school bowl haircut could make him seem less terrifying. <laughs> um, and uh, Javier Bardem really just blew me away with his performance. And he has so many memorable moments from that movie, whether it be the the coin toss or pulling people over and. Uh, killing people with a with an air with an air gun all, all that stuff is cool right. um and for number one drum roll please i i put uh the t-1000 uh from oh, terminator excellent. terminator 2 uh i mean it, the fact that it was a machine made him the most ruthless assassin imaginable and the fact that he could be anyone was probably the most terrifying thing yeah. and uh, as a kid watching, it was one of the first movies that really kept me up at night for weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so everybody pay attention out there in Dead Radio Land. All these characters uh, that were mentioned were really expertly delivered by the actors, but they were first expertly written by the screenwriters. Um, the characteristics that Bruce describes have everything to do with the writer and nothing to do with the director. I mean, the idea that maybe the bowl haircut had something to do with the director. But, um, you know, when you look at these characters and their characteristics, uh, these are writers that are delivering this stuff. So so what's the lesson here? A great villain makes a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Those are good. And I like the distinction between villain and assassin. Um, I think that's a, a really interesting distinction. So good, good, good list, Bruce. Thanks. Um, you know what I like about it is Golden Gun would have, I could have lived for a hundred years more and never picked go and never. And if, and if somebody had asked me, what is one of Bruce's favorite assassins? I would have never come up with, uh, with the Golden Gun. Never. I, I had to throw you off, Mark. <laughs> you, you do that all the time, Bruce. That's okay. <laughs> that's, 
that's your job as a millennial. So, <laughs> um, okay, Chris, what uh, what did you choose? Well, um, when I was looking at the Golden Globe winners, Green Book won three awards, mm. including Best Screenplay. Right. And there were some news articles that uh, Dr. Don Shirley's family said that the screenwriter took liberties with the story. Of course, yeah. So uh, I started thinking about movies that were based on actual events or people, but if liberties were taken with the story... Um, I just thought these were flat out fun, enjoyable movies. Okay. Okay. Uh, in at number five, written by James Clavell and W. R. Burnett, The Great Escape. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I haven't seen that movie in years and years. Yeah, and it, well, it's almost what three hours, and it yeah. moves quick, and it's got a great cast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, and probably steve mcqueen at his coolest yeah at his absolute coolest yeah so, yeah, yeah that's for sure yeah okay and number four written by mark norman and tom stoppard shakespeare in love oh yeah what a great little movie mm-hmm. yeah well tom stoppard uh is a really interesting writer um, yeah. He did Rose, Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead, uh, I, which uh-huh. I really loved that movie, too. So That was super. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, Bruce, have you ever seen Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead? No, I haven't. I know the characters, but I haven't seen that movie. Yeah, it'll blow your mind. You should watch it, man. It's really, it's really yeah. a, unique, a unique. Talk about different. But Shakespeare in Love was so much fun, except the ending. You know, the ending is such a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, he doesn't get the girl. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Okay. At number three, written by Stephen Zillian, Searching for Bobby Fisher. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's Zillian. Okay. Wow, yeah. But uh, if you would have told me that a movie involving chess and a little kid was going to be so riveting, I I would have said, really? Perfect. That's great. Yeah. And then at number two, written by Allison Schroeder, and I believe it's Theodore Melfi, mm-hmm. Hidden Figures. Oh, wow. Yeah, one of my favorite. Yeah, the NASA fun. movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And this has come up on several of my lists, uh, written by Kevin Jerry, uh, or Jari, uh, Tombstone. Oh, yeah. Ooh, interesting choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just. I mean, there were several others that I kept putting on and taking off, but those were the five I settled on. Mm. I'm surprised, a little surprised you didn't pick um, either Green Book or A Beautiful Mind because <clears throat> I, I loved Green Book. I thought it was really fun. Uh-huh. I haven't but, seen uh, it yet. It, it's good. It's good. It, you, you will enjoy it. It's really a great yeah. uh, example of how to do a not only a road trip movie which is just a great structure for writing but also a <clears throat> two characters who are about as diametrically opposed as you can get because the Vigo Mortensen character is um uh you know kind of a 60s wise guy Italian American bouncer so you know fairly illiterate mm-hmm. 
and Dr. Don Shirley, who was a prodigy and a, uh, a really a world-class pianist, is about as far from him as you can get. It was just incredibly well-delivered, um, id, superego type of characters. It was really, really well yeah. done. <clears throat> but a, a Beautiful Mind, I read the book. It was 400 pages of you know, one of the worst human beings on the planet. And they turned that into yep. just a really compelling love story. So, uh. yeah, um, I don't recommend reading the book unless you like books about mathematicians or economists. But <laughs> but the movie was really, really good. And I, you know, you know, Ron Howard and Akiva Goldsman got uh. roundly criticized for the story because they said this guy's not a nice guy. You know, he deserted yep. his family, et cetera, et cetera. So, um Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, how much do you do you guys feel like the writer is it's incumbent upon the writer to deliver on the truth? I I have to jump in there and say I don't think it's really the the key element. I Good. think it's more important to create story. Yeah. Which okay. gets your message across, whatever your message is as the writer. Right. Unless you go so far afield <clears throat> that it completely invalidates the the idea of the story i i really tend well, to agree with we're you. not making documentaries he's right. not he's not writing a documentary he's right. he's right. telling a story right that's i think exactly. i think it um i think it's a really a fine line uh i kind of have to agree with bob there but um i think you have to as long as you pay homage to the character and you do justice to the character because usually a lot of times when you're writing these these stories that are based off of real events sometimes the people are alive sometimes they aren't but i mean Someone who was involved in it for real is going to watch the movie and you really want to do that person justice in some way. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to tell the whole truth. But if you can capture the essence of it, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, as someone who's written uh, three or four movies based on real events, um, my feeling is you capture the thematic qualities of the story and the the idea of the character has to go with theme. The rest of it is all window dressing. I mean, I'm not saying you should make uh, any, you shouldn't give superpowers to a character uh, or make him a female if he was male or vice versa. But the concept is like, I think Bob uh, and you guys have all echoed it is just to get the story across, to get the, the, the you know, the idea I wrote, I wrote uh, when I wrote devil's not, um, I composited characters because you can't, there were no, there were no reporters on the scene during devil, during the early days of devil's not when they first were missing those boys. But in order to make a compelling character, uh, somebody that you want to follow, I put a reporter in there. So, you know, that, that character was a composite of several people who eventually became very important to that story, but weren't in it initially. So, um, yeah. there's a lot of things you want to explain that you shouldn't. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's quite a task. Um, well, if we go to Goldman's uh, adventures in the screen pl- trade, mm-hmm. uh, he talks about how much wonderful stuff he had to leave out of the Butch and Sundance oh, story yeah, right. that didn't fit. Right. Yeah. He told the story he wanted to tell, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I uh, the relationship between... Uh, Robert Redford and uh, what's her name? Uh, Catherine Ross, Catherine Ross. was yeah. certainly based in some fact, but I'm sure that they didn't yeah. ride bicycles around singing and raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and there's so li- little historical 
information about right. Etta Place. Right, right. I mean, some people think she was actually, you know, a hooker. Oh. And others say she was the school teacher. Mm. Hooker, and school everything teacher. in between. Hooker, school teacher, it's all the same to Bruce, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bob, That's I'm why they to... call him Mr. Goodbar. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why they call you Mr. Goodbar. I've heard that before. Yeah. Many bars. She's been looking. <laughs> so, Bob, um, is, I mean, do you, when you write your, you're, you're writing nonfiction almost exclusively. Do you? Correct. I don't want to, you know, talk out. Of do I embellish? Here. Do I, do I, do I yes. embellish? Is that yes. your question? Uh, what I do is I, I might embellish a quote. I might embellish a perspective. For instance, I don't know for sure that the guy was feeling this, mm. but it's how I would be feeling if it were me. Mm-hmm. So I might put that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the quote might have been uh, less than stellar. Mm-hmm. So I might embellish that to make it sound more resounding. I've never once had anyone come back to me and say, that's not what I said. Mm-hmm. Because these things in what I do, it's it's mostly about getting across the, the feeling of the story. I want mm-hmm. people to get that that guy was hurting when he was done or that guy was exuberant when he was done. But uh, you, you don't often hear that from the fisherman or, or the, the person who lost the fish. Right. So you want, you want to get that across. And people read my stuff and they often say that that's, that's what compels them to come back and read mine again. Is the fact that you lie? Okay, I get it. That's not a problem. <laughs> well, you know, I lie well. <laughs> no, no anyway, I've you got to applaud the effort. I've read your stuff <laughs> exactly. and, I, and it is very compelling. And I... Honestly, don't care how much of it. And, and I know I know you're you're very good about keeping the it. The facts are never changed. I never. <laughs> right. I don't do two things. I don't change the facts ever. Okay. If there were twelve right. fish, there were twelve fish. Right. And I also never embellish a photograph to make it more rich as far as the size or type of fish. Except I do your- clean them up. I do take people out. I do mm-hmm. move things around. But the the story of the photograph always remains. So by the way, I do all my own photography and do all my own Photoshop work. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that's uh that's a skill I think uh in your particular case because of the nature of what you do, I think that's very important. Um Yeah. Yeah, and and guys, his Tinder profile is absolutely he does absolutely look like Brad <laughs> like Brad Pitt. He really does. Uh it's remarkable. They could be twins actually, so In fact, that's 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 how oh, Mark wow. and I met. <laughs> Mark got duped. Swipe right. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, well, that was fun. Um, So, yeah, I I think those are great lists. Um, I, I, you know, every time the funny thing is, every time we do, I do a podcast, I end up watching like three or four movies um, that I, you know, like, like I might end up going back and watching searching for Bobby Fisher or something like that. Cause I, those are movies you don't think about until somebody brings them to your attention. So I, the uh, one film I keep coming back to Mark uh-huh. is leaving Las Vegas. Oh, you like that movie? I go back. Well, again, cause it's so upbeat. I go back <laughs> to a time and I go back, I go back to a time and again and just, just feel that, that just visceral experience. That's because Again, you were. That's because you were a hooker yeah. back in the day. Right? No, it's because I was a freaking alcoholic. <laughs> I wasn't so, going to say anything. 
and and also I've had a few experiences in Vegas. Anyway, so it's <laughs> it's pretty fun to go back and and watch that one time and again. So all right, make sure Chris doesn't listen to this. So no, she knows all about it. I know, I know. She, she watches. Right. She watches with me. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, that's interesting. All right. Um, you mean the movie? Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wow, we 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 we've gone that down that dark internet path again. So, um, what? Oh, so I just want to mention in passing. I, uh, I I know we're not talking about what are we watching, but I happened to see Once Upon a Time in America on the Netflix list, and I have never seen the whole that whole movie because it's almost four hours. And um, so what I did is I split it into three nights and watched it. Wow, what a what a just a terrific film. I mean, I love the fact that uh, there are places like Netflix where you can go in and watch a movie in, in segments if you have to, for whatever reason, or yeah. that you can binge watch. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. so that, but it was a result of a conversation we had, um, I think, a couple of weeks ago about, uh, I can't remember exactly what, but maybe the Sergio Leone, uh, the, the Westerns or something like that. But it was yeah. a very interesting film. If you haven't seen it in a while, I, I highly recommend uh, but you can watch it in, like I watched it in three almost equal segments, which was great, uh, great to watch. He has eight hours of film that he shot before he died, and I would love to see all eight hours of it. That's how compelling it was. So, oh, just, well. yeah, I don't, I can't imagine watching or writing an eight-hour film. I just, I don't know how that would go. Let's do a commercial for the podcast. Uh, we are Plot Points Podcast. My name is Mark Sevy. This is a uh, semi-autonomous project, um, but we are affiliated a little bit with OC Screenwriters and OC Film and Television. You can find us on iTunes. I think we're under Plot Points Podcast, but you could certainly use my name and find us there. Uh, my last name is spelled S-E-V-I. We also have a website, plotpoints.com, where there's a phone number. You can reach out and ask questions of the podcast. And um, I think it's 919scripts, uh, S-C-R-I-P-T-S. And also send an email or a text message or whatever you want to do. Uh, just reach out. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover, we, uh, we covered something for one of our listeners, Kathy Gilmore, last week. If you have a question about the business or writing process or anything. We have some really great people here who can help you understand um, the business a little bit better. It's a really, really difficult and uh, joyous at the same time. Anybody have any questions um, that came, that filtered through you uh, to the, that came to the podcast? I have one, Mark. Okay, Chris, go ahead. Okay. There's numerous, uh, like, websites, emails like InkTip, mm-hmm. where you can send producers your screenplays right. or pitch it to them. Why don't producers like to send pass messages when rejecting pitches? There's two parts to this. They do send pass messages, not all the time. I think I think with the in the case of InkTip, uh, mm-hmm. they just get overwhelmed with the amount of people that send stuff in. And so they just get behind and don't bother to send those. I, but I've gotten many of them, so okay. <laughs> they do send them. But um, in general, a, a pass is a negative, and nobody in Hollywood, to your face, wants to be negative. I mean, they'll they'll go behind your back, or they'll they'll you know use an attorney to f you over. But 
Um, the thing is, is there's an old saying, be careful, uh, who you kick on the way up because they may kick you on the way down on your way down. (laughs) And so the, the, the concept here is I'm not going to tell him I'm passing on his work because then I have to deal with the inevitable negativity that, that entails either from him or her or from just the, the relationship. So, um, but what they do say is, yeah, this was great. Uh, we're going in a different direction or, uh, it's not quite what we're looking for or, um, we've already found or we already have that in development or whatever it is. Um, they try not to give you that. This didn't, this didn't work for me kind of thing. Um, only okay. the very, the very few and the very honest will tell you this didn't work for me. And I'm honestly, I, I'll check with everybody here. You guys can weigh in on this. Wouldn't you much rather hear? this didn't work for me and why then we're going in a different direction. Would you want to hear an honest opinion? Oh yeah. Oh Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I mean, I think there is a lot of, a lot of producers who will, uh, who have to pass. I mean, if you're sending it in with an agent um, to a production company, they have to give you an answer. If you're sending it to ink tip, they don't have to because ink tip isn't a a production entity. It's just a, you know, a clearinghouse. So. Yeah, good question. I mean, it, it's um, it's just the way that Hollywood chooses not uh, to have to deal with the reality of the world, I guess. I, I don't know. And I think that's really how it works in just general professional settings as well. You don't you don't hear back from if you don't hear back from a job, you know, you didn't get it. You're not going to say they're not, not going to say, oh, we went in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Very rarely are you going to hear point. that in any professional case. Yeah. Bob, have you, I mean, do you, besides Western Outdoor News, do you send your work out to anybody else besides them? Well, you know, I neglected to mention that there have been several articles published over the years in California fly fisher and so, as Southern Coast uh, Sport Fishing and other uh, West Coast magazines. Okay. And I've also been rejected. The rejections are always so so simplistic and PC, it makes me sick. You know, I wish someone would just once say, you're writing socks, go away. You know, it's instead, it's always something like you said, you know, we're, we're headed in a different direction. It doesn't right. apply for what we're doing today. It's And then if you're, if you're asking, hey, would this be of interest when, you, when you're doing an inquiry letter, it, the response is either a non-existent or it comes back with something like that. And it's not their job. I've actually had, I mean, I've had my the lion's share of rejection uh, from every entity you can imagine. And um, I even I'm doing an article. Uh, it's due by the end of the month for uh, screen. Um, uh, oh, my God. Uh, for cre- creative screenwriting. And I've done three or four articles for them on screenwriting uh, principles. And, but they've rejected, you know, at least two or three of my concepts and said, no, that's not really what we what we really want to do. Or we, you know, I mean, with them, I feel like they're being very honest. Point is, um, the, the guy, the editor of a creative screenwriting is a really straightforward guy. I really enjoy working with him. I don't have to mince words with him and he doesn't with me. But, um, you know, so it's the rejections come that he just says that's that we don't, you know, I can't use that or whatever. And that's fine. I'm happy, happy to move on beyond that. So again, I'm with uh, my good friend, Chris Styers, who is a published novelist. And um, he and I have actually had a script optioned uh, back in the day. It's been a while, but um, that was a great little script. And uh, Chris can be found on, on 
you know, in the pa- tell us uh, some of the magazines or or publications or names of your books, Chris. Uh, well, if you go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and put in Christopher Styers, S T I R E S, it'll they'll both sites will list my novels. Okay. Yeah, we have a. There's links to a lot of your work in the show notes too. So you can go there and uh, look at the podcast show notes. And, uh, Bruce, I know, um, you're coming up on your LSATs and you're, you're in a transition period. Um, is there, is there, I know you've done actually, didn't you win an award for one of your films? Uh, yeah, actually I did. We got, uh, best film at, uh, CMF Campus Movie Fest. Mm. Um, I was a first assistant director for that one and then, that because I did well on that one, I was able to work on a few more films. And, uh, I think the next two films didn't win awards, but they were well received from everyone I showed them to. Oh, okay. And, um, you don't have, I looked, you don't have an IMDB page or do you have a YouTube page or anything? Uh, no, not at the moment. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm actually probably gonna be starting a YouTube channel, uh, after this is all done. So, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, uh, pushing it on your podcast in the future. Okay. Yeah, so this is Bruce Kazra. His last name is spelled K-A-S-R-A. Great guy, really talented filmmaker, um, and uh, currently going through some transitions in his life, as as is appropriate for his age group, as is appropriate for any age group. Here, here. Yeah. Um, don't ever, Slowly but surely. <laughs> well, don't ever settle, Bruce. I'm telling you right now, you will remember the good times better more than you will remember the bad times. And if the bad times are because of financial distress or expectations, in my opinion, that that passes, but the good times, the stuff you accomplish because of it will always be in, in the top of your mind. So if I can give you sure. any advice, it's to be as happy as you can doing as, doing the things that you want. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and Bob Semero, S-E-M-E-R-A-O-A-U, uh, sorry. <laughs> That's correct. S-E-M-E-R-A-U is a wonderful wondrous uh outdoorsman fisherman he is uh currently the executive director of uh the outdoor writers association of california owac.org he's got some articles right. there and um he's also uh, bob tell us so tell us also where else, where else you can be found well you know again on wonews.com which is the western outdoor news website uh all of my articles i've ever published with them are there in their archives so it's quite a quite a uh archive they they got not only mine but anything about fishing or hunting on the west coast is mm-hmm. there so it's kind of a neat resource if you ever want to gin up some information about a topic there's a place to get it where would you so uh just for shits and giggles, where would you recommend if somebody wanted to go to uh, like any state, Alabama, and go fishing, where would they find the best fishing information? You know, you always have to ask yourself first, how do you want to fish and what do you want to fish for? Okay. Uh, the the finest quality of fishing would be up in the Montana area. If you wanted to go for big trout and wild fish. Uh, the largest fish uh, in freshwater you might find in Nevada in a place called Pyramid Lake up near Reno. The Lahontan trout uh, go 18 pounds and you catch them on a fly rod from the shore. Uh, But then you go down into Louisiana and you might fish the sloughs down there for big uh, redfish that are tailing in, in water that's only 12 to 18 inches deep, but the fish are 30 pounds. 
And again, on a fly rod with a shrimp fly. Or you can go offshore and catch big tuna right off San Clemente Island. America is a great place because we've got such a diverse fishery. Down in Florida, you can fish for things like kingfish just a few miles offshore that are uh, like a giant barracuda. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing, amazing fish opportunities throughout the country. Yeah, great variety. Um, I heard something. There was a there was a documentary called the Manzanita Manzanita Fishing Club. I think. Sure, sure. Um, I, I I I've actually met a few of those fellows. Yeah, Corey Shizaka. I think is, I think is his name. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so his um, the story of that internment. It was a Japanese internment, um, and the. Mm -hmm. They found uh, a place to f to fish for golden rainbow that was apparently not thought to be uh, in existence, I think, or something like that. It was really compelling. Golden story. trout. Uh, was it golden trout? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. What did they say? Golden rainbow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That's the hybrid, the the evil hybrid that uh, <laughs> Bruce Kasra created in his mind for Sci Fi <laughs> Channel. So uh, no, but it was it was a great movie because it 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 talked about how fishing gave them a place to go that wasn't uh, as bleak and cold and ugly as the, um, as the camp that they were in. Yeah. The story itself captures everything about fishing and it also, it gave them hope every day of the week, every right. day they were in, stuck inside the walls of that stupid camp. They, yeah. they were able to, to think about when they could get away to the waters. And, and that's what we all do every day in our daily lives as fishermen. So fishing is a metaphor for getting away to the waters, the peaceful waters of our life. Is that what you're? Exactly. Yeah, okay. And this is the kind of stuff, guys, that you can get from Bob Semero's writing. You can really, he gets, he waxes philosophically. He also tells you some really solid knowledge about, about fish, but I highly recommend his work whenever you, whenever you can avail yourself of it. Even if you're not a fisherman, the life lessons there are just really superb. So, uh, Bob's a good friend. Thank you. I've known him Thank for a long time. I think he's world, I, just like all my co-hosts. I think you guys are world class. So, thank you. Thank for, you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, once again uh, making my job so easy on this podcast. Um, <laughs> my name is Mark Sevy. This is Plot Points Podcast. Um, for all of us here at the on the podcast in Dead Radio Land, and for OC screenwriters and OC Film and Television, be inspired. Do good work.